Welcome back to the Bearable Project, everyone. Uh, this episode is full of a ton of good stuff. Uh, before we get into it, this episode with Jack Williams from the United States Olympic team, uh, former resident athlete, team Hoyt shooter, had some big input into the Formula XD. It's just a great overall great episode. Um, you're going to enjoy it. Before we jump into that, coming up, next episode, Miss Maggie Brensinger. Um, pretty much all of you that know me or listen to me know of her. She's finally getting on the podcast. Funny stuff. Um, but anyways, with that being said, two seminars coming up. We got one in December at Texas Archery. It's an advanced barebow seminar. I'm going down there with Scott Booth and, and, uh, and friends down there. It's going to be a two-day seminar. Check that out. Um, Phoenix, Arizona coming up in March. Um, check that out. I'm also doing an abbreviated version in November. Go on the website. You can sign up for that. It's like 75 bucks. Um, it's, uh, it's, and it's the stuff that I can talk about online and, and still there's a lot of good carryover there. Um, there's a lot that needs to in-person coaching without a doubt is the best. There's no question, but I just want to throw it out there. Go check that out. Um, enjoy this episode. We'll see you tomorrow night. If you happen to jump in and, uh, check the live feed out. Remember you can catch the live version of the podcast if you just subscribe to either YouTube or Facebook in our subscribers group, because that's where they're always at. All right. And if you don't catch it live, you're going to miss it because then you won't get to listen to it again until it's uploaded. Anyway. All right. Peace. I think then um, anybody I can put a name to, to promote our sport. The archer who owns all the world records, John Demmer, the third. You know, the more difficult a thing is, the more important the mental game becomes. I, I didn't eat any supper yet either. How about you guys? It. You guys eat yet? I didn't eat. Oh, that. you know, uh, I, I have some crunch berries. Grayson oh. Parlow. It's like me taking three or four years off your eyes, just because I weakened that prescription in the shooting eye. And don't put everything into my shot that I should. That I get a lot of drop on those heavy arrows. It's dropping all the way down. He said, well, you might want to think about going to a lighter arrow in the spring water. And then that's what got that started. So. Go live right here real quick. So my uh, last night my wife and I were at a fundraiser and uh, I come home. She texts, she's like, Hey, it smells like something really bad. Something's burning, blah, blah, blah. Like I, my youngest is 12. And she goes, she's like, hold on. I have, to, I have to mute this live video here real quick. My wife and I were at a fun. Oh, there it goes. All right. There we go. And um, so my wife comes home and there's a skunk. And, uh, and, uh, oh, I come on a second. She texts. She's like, "Hey, it's all like something." You hear, hear really that bad. background something's noise? Oh, my youngest is twelve, and she goes, "Let me mute that real quick." Um, long story short, my dog got sprayed by a skunk last night. <laughs> I literally spent the entire day like cleaning and trying to get yeah, yeah. the dog. Uh, not smelling oh my gosh dude i i can't get it out of my nose i'm like all stuffed up now it's been i don't know all if you ever dealt with that but oh it's been all day yeah it's been a process sprayed by a skunk you what's that i've never been sprayed by a skunker luckily oh my gosh it was so bad i mean it was really bad it was it smells so and the the whole town i swear like our whole town has been overrun by skunks I don't know what's going on. One night I went out and there was like three of them running around the alley and it's the craziest, it's the craziest thing. There's such a, there's such a, a, a weird species, but long story short, she smelled so bad. So that's what I spent my day pretty much doing was cleaning up after that nonsense. I washed her twice with like some random solution. Yeah. It's been, 
it's been a it's been a process to say the least so all right people well we are we are currently live right now on both youtube and facebook fingers crossed it looks like facebook is lagged really bad and i don't know why um let me uh let me get off the see what's going on hopefully that comes through jack how are you doing buddy it's good to see you yeah doing good getting ready to go out to korea next week so good to be back in the states for a little bit so um i guess you're going to korea are you also going to santiago when that rolls around yep that's uh thanksgiving week unfortunately for you know holidayness wise so that's a bit of a bummer but we're going down there for to get our spots for the pan am games which right. is where we could qualify olympic spots eventually um so that's step one but to get ready for that we're going over to korea just for a training camp no competition just go shoot with them like oh nice okay have you done that before no this is a we don't normally go out and do this type of training or stuff like that so it's a really good opportunity oh absolutely it is i had no idea that that was something that you guys were doing at all um i think it makes sense it makes complete sense for sure um, I just uh, I had to refresh the Facebook feed here to see if I can get that thing to come up on my computer for some reason because I can't see y'all's comments if you if you post them up. So please be patient with me. Um, actually, let me let me close that out and come back to it and see if I can open this back up. YouTube tip that typically isn't as as active, but Facebook definitely gets active with uh, with the people. Um, let me move some screens around. It's the nice thing also about being live and pre-recording and then editing because I can uh, uh, you can see everything. Edit, yeah, that and I can go back and edit everything when I need to and all that stuff, you know. Because once the live feed's done, it's fun recording it live because you kind of get. I don't. It's just. It's more like a show, you know what I mean? Like it's a podcast, yeah. But people love the interaction, and we're a bunch of goofballs, so like they get a kick out of that. And but it's still definitely. Where's there it is? All right, we'll go there. Let's make sure I'm still live. Should be. I did close it, but it should not have ended live. There it is. Okay, perfect. Last night. That gets us every time. I pull up the live feed and it's still going. No, yeah. shut the live feed down. I am. This is driving me insane, so, my friend. My uh, last night. Let's see. Oh, yeah, it did. It shut the live feed down. Oh, uh, hmm. Let me try that again. I'm going to try to go live on Facebook again. So when I close the window, it shut it down. I'm going to try one more time. So hold on, Jack. All right. I want to get it. I want to get it. I want to get it right. So people can watch on both ends. So I'm going to stop this live feed and try one more time. I've never done dual live feeds before. This is a first. So this might be, uh, this might explain why why it's not been done that's a quite the possibility or just i wasn't patient enough and needed to wait it out a little bit longer let's try this again episode are your um delay times the same because i think you can uh, program that delay like i want yeah yeah they're pretty they're pretty I, i'm not really worried honestly i could give two shits about the live feed the only reason um I have watched live feeds is for questions. Yeah. That is it. All right. So I'm going to do one at a time is what I'm going, that's what I'm going to do. So here, Barrow Project. There we go. All right. So I'm going to start that live feed a while. Let's see if we are preparing shows that we are live we're good there all right be patient everyone we're gonna try this again there's time with some live feed issues trying to go uh connect oh 
All right, be patient, everyone. There it is again. See how that works. All right, there's one. All right, now we should go be able to do the second one. Yeah, it's not letting me do. All right, so it looks like it's a Facebook live feed only, everyone. Uh, so YouTube is not going to happen this evening. For some reason, I'm having some issues. We are live again. We're going to let some people uh, kind of get on this live feed. Sorry about the confusion. I did delete that other one, just the beginning there where I was trying to get things squared away. Um, this is your live recording of episode 70 uh, with Olympian, my fellow Hoyt teammate and resident athlete. Are you currently considered a resident athlete right now, even though you're not living at the training center? Um, technically, no. I, yeah. I technically did the resident athlete program, but I still train there full time. Yeah. So right. I right. come up to Orange County on the weekends, but yeah. I'm still down there group every day it's just more of a matter of title so when i want to take my own time off i can yeah like, i get it yeah so um so yeah we're here with jack williams what's up man it's so i'm glad you came on um we we sort of got an introduction at lancaster last year we're, we're bsing about hoyt and you know the the exceed and barabo and just playing around i was i was uh you were like you know just drawing a bare bow that was a 27 with xls you're like holy crap and i had to crank i had the limbs cranked all the way out and you're like yeah that's not great where i would want it i was like yeah i know i get it but you know and um you know then at nfa we got to mess around a little bit and got to shoot my bow and uh you got to play around with some bare bow and we started talking and then we started bouncing things off of each other with tune and now we have the xd to talk about we'll talk about that a little bit you know tonight but first uh can you um just tell people i mean we we know who you are but where you come from um let's talk about like you're starting the sport because that's something that's unknown i to me and i follow the olympic side of the sport uh quite a bit and i just know a little bit of a passive background about you so can you just give me the rundown like how did you get into archery and end up where you're at and we'll go from there yeah so i used to be a competitive fencer through my earlier years of trying sports as a kid um probably about well, nine or ten until i was 13 doing um just youth fencing starting to go to regional tournaments moving out to um you know the state level and then doing like some national level and getting there and then at the archery or at the fencing studio they had a little tri-archery class and that tri-archery class was where i really tried like just green plastic stick bow kind of that yeah. level of shooting let's say and then um that basically turned into getting my own bow at for um my 13th birthday and going through and then just both and doing both for fun and then still competing with fencing and then it came down to uh one of the years where there was a nationals for archery in ohio there was also nationals that year for um, fencing and they were about a week apart. And it was kind of like, we're not going to Ohio twice a week apart for two different sports. Like, no, pick one. And at that time I was like kind of him and ha in between like, well, you know, I've been competing with fencing and do I want to keep doing that or, you know, try something new. And then like, I finally pulled the trigger and said, no, I'm going to go for archery this time. And I shot that as a cub at nationals oh, no and I just tried it for fun. And then sure enough, I was pretty good at it. And that was like, I knew it was pretty good because I was doing the state stuff yeah. and Bowman and cub and, you know, it could, not terrible, but I'm like, yeah, okay. Like it's fun. Go to Joe Ed class. And then yeah. from that on, I'm like, no, no I want to, I want to keep doing that. And then fencing fell off and then, been a tree ever since huh that's crazy so what uh what club did you start at where did the fencing where did you start all that at yeah so the fencing uh studio is called griffin fencing and okay. they now offer archery classes and fencing still to this day and they just you know they're a good place to start out and then um moved to the local archery range here that was orange county archery and high-tech archery did both of those uh 
both of their Joads actually. I was like double dipping Joads for a little bit, yeah. and um, uh, Joy Lee Archery okay was kind of my introduction to more of a serious um, club with uh, Coach Eric Tollison. He was my coach for a good bit one-on-one level kind of helped me transition to more serious archery and then from there started working with doing privates with coach lee and then coach lee said uh when i was 16 like you should come down to the center like we we need you and at that time i was like "Mm, no like it's too early and then some time went by and we realized like no if i wanted to make tokyo team like i needed to and then I moved out. I graduated early, actually, in order to move down there and uh, commit full time to archery. Worry about school. Really. And then, yeah, I graduated at seventeen, halfway through my junior year, and then um, from there, just been doing archery ever since, and getting better, traveling the world, and you know, seeing where it can take me. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's cool. So just to, I'm going to go back a little bit. The whole fencing archery thing, I don't I don't know. I did a, a seminar for Lee Taylor at Lionheart Academy. They are a fencing academy. Yeah. But they're, they, you know, Lee was in the archery and then I guess they combined their resources. Um, so shout out to Lee and that whole uh, Matt, the Ricacho boys and all those guys out in San Diego, because like it, they they go together. There's there's this weird relationship between the two. Maybe it's a mindset thing. I don't know squat about fencing when I've been out there twice now. And like I walk in and like I see all this stuff I'm like it's so cool. I don't know squat about it, but it's neat. And, you know, it's it just it just seems to work and it's so it's not a surprise to hear that you start got your start that way from yeah. a competitive side of things and it, so is this fencing and i don't i'm not going to make this podcast about fencing but does fencing have a similar national setup like archery does like is it nationally competitive is there teams is it usa type stuff like is it all the same um they have the same stuff it's very different though they have a lot different of a ranking system that kind of goes through okay. uh, you know i never really got to experience the the full like what is like a usat tournament right, right, kind of right. thing. okay um if you ask me i'd say they have a lot of regional stuff than archery does which is probably helping them a lot like we would go over to colorado arizona and do like regional tournaments that were equally um competitive like yeah. as a a use nowadays but then they have national tournaments and i think a lot of those actually are invite only like you have to um be at a certain tier to even show up okay gotcha like it's just totally different um but yeah they still have the same general national tournaments with the uh like tear down and then a tear down for each division that you kind of want to support at those tournaments. Interesting. Yeah. So you you left one sport kind of on the verge of getting into that and then entered into archery and then boom, there was a quick, I I remember, I remember when, when you kind of really first got on that national scene and watching you shoot and now seeing you, geez, we're just talking before we went live. He's working on uh, college classes and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's crazy to me. You were just a kid, a teenager then and how yeah. things have changed, but um, no, it's, it's, and did you always live out there or you're in California, right? You're in Northern. I was, okay. Um, Orange County, which is about two hours North of San Diego and Chula Vista where the center is. Yeah. So wasn't for me, which definitely helped me want to do that. You know, it would have been different cross country at, 17 but yeah. you know a couple hours south and then like you know i could come up and see everybody on the weekend like right. that helped right um wanting me to do that change yeah that's no that's it's a huge commitment for a teenager to be like hey i'm gonna give this up graduate early and then essentially train full-time at the training center now if you guys 
um, for, for the barebow people who end up listening to this podcast or, or come on live. And, you know, if you get a chance to go to Chula Vista, you get to go shoot there, please go do it. It is an amazing facility. Um, and I guess that's a good segue into like discussing, like what, what does your training look like as a, as a, whether you're an Olympic team member, a resident athlete, just in general, like at, at competing at that international level, how many arrows are you shooting? What are, the, I'm not asking you to give away the trade secrets. I'm asking you to like paint the picture. Cause I don't, you know, and the reason we're having this discussion, Jack, is I don't think the, the vast majority, and I'm talking like 95 plus percent of barebow people understand what it takes to be that yeah. truly competitive. Yeah. And I, and from from an Olympic standpoint, from from someone who's who represents us on an international level, I want it to come from you. Like, what does it look like for you to to train to be to shoot at the level that you shoot at? So it definitely takes uh, varying levels um, depending on your time and your development. For one, like if you're still working out kinks in your form and technique, you're going to have to shoot more repetition and kind of get there. Versus if you're trying to then solidify your form and then get more of a uh, score really high, mm-hmm. or then if you're trying to more practice for like upcoming tournaments and then like a back to back to back kind of deal, it all changes. Um, you know, I did my fair share of 400 arrow days and stuff like that back when I was still starting out. So right now, um, the RA program, because it's a development program, they're scheduled to be at that, like kind of around that 250 to 350 arrows, depending on the day and how much scoring versus how much repetition we want. And then a couple of days of super heavy, like 400 to 500 arrows a day. And um, there with recovery and all that in there. Um, so they kind of, the, the RAs, like I talked about earlier, how I'm not technically an RA. Right, right, um, right improving so they're at the um, that level where they're developing i'm there training with them but i do about 200 arrows like 150 to 200 arrows every day uh-huh. and i try that number consistently day after day and then that like overall i'm just trying to keep um technique going and like don't lose anything don't get bad habits and then push my form and the scores super high do you feel like extended periods, um, like, like even, do you feel a difference in, you probably haven't gone two weeks without shooting a bow in a very long time, but do you, do you, do you feel like there's like, like there's loss there and that you're like, you have to build back up real quick. Yeah, definitely a little bit like, um, in like the heart of competition, definitely not like any time to break um but we finished finished our competition like technically we're still going because we have the one in november but that's such a long break that you can almost count that in the next year already right right yeah yeah that's basically that's it's like the start of indoor season but you're still shooting outdoor for for one tournament one major tournament at that then we're talking about santiago chile for everyone who's who listens to this um yeah so almost like you know, I already took my break. I did take a few weeks off of, you know, I took almost a good solid week of not shooting at all. And then another week in there where I was like barely anything. Um, so that was nice just to recover and rest. And now it's like time to slowly start kind of that maintain. And then right before ramp up, uh, really, it's a more of a ramp up, um, really pushing harder, get everything tuned properly, get everything ironed out. So, yeah, that's, uh- I guess I, I was, I was wondering how much time you guys actually get to take off. I guess this time of the year is probably the time of the year that it's going to happen, but you know, it, it, how long does it take before you like, you get that itch and you're like, I got to shoot. Yeah. I, mean, I want to shoot all the time. And even when I'm not shooting, I'm thinking about shooting. So it's like, even when, like, like when I come back to being able to, like finally shoot again uh-huh. it's it doesn't really fall off like my endurance fall off a ton but like my form my technique and stuff like that doesn't really fall off that's good 
And so. is there some, is there a training regiment that, that comes from either um, coach Lee or from strength and conditioning that you have to keep up with? Is that something that they implement as well? Um, some it's all personal preference. Like I don't personally believe in strength and conditioning for archery. I'd rather just shoot more archery than sure. work out something. Yeah. Uh, I think it kind of could throw off the balance, but if you are a person who feels like it helps you, then by all means at the center, they're willing to help you there. Um, but a lot of it is the program that coach makes coach Lee makes and that kind of that changes throughout the year and balances a good bit of sure. you know just pound out arrows and not really care and then a time to really care about form and stuff like that and then a time where it's like i don't care just score like so it's kind of like a good balance between everything okay so let talk me through like if you you said like 150 to 200 arrows a day right yeah are you scoring um every day or is there implementation of scoring throughout that program the week? It's there'll be where like we have a set like 72 arrows, two ends of practice, 72 arrows, and then lunch, something like that. Right. Um, there'll be other days where we're doing like a variation of a scoring game. We call it gold game, yeah. where if you hit this one point, if you miss the gold is zero, and if you're eight or less, it's a minus point. Um, so it just kind of changes it up, but I personally score almost every arrow I shoot. Like okay. if not paper, just mentally, like I'm always thinking like, oh, that was a 58, that was a 57. That one was a 52, like what happened and then come back and kind of always be working on that. Just every arrow I shoot. Is that part of your mental preparation a little bit? Is that, is that you training yourself to think about, okay, that's what I shot, but uh, you know, I want to get, I'm, I'm pursuing this perfect arrow on the next one. Is it just, just. Is that what you're doing when you're competing? It's definitely to try to get used to shooting. a lot of people like get caught up when they're shooting good and then they start shooting bad right away. Yeah, right. Used to shooting good all the time, then it's easier to keep shooting good in competition. So like instead of just like getting lost in the arrows and everything magically gets better, like no, you're focusing on it getting better. And then that will carry through into competition. Yeah, very okay. good. Yeah, I, I, I can see I can see the, the benefit there for sure. Um, do you think that the, the idea of scoring more than not is something that everyone should do? I think it depends on what you want out of archery as a whole. Like if you're a backyard archer who just likes shooting. Uh, yeah, right, right, right. I'm talking like people who are really trying to improve. Yeah, I guess it's that that notion of. Like you have to be, you have to learn to be okay with the score, no matter what the score is, but you can't be. I, and that's probably one of the things that hurts some people is they don't score enough. They don't shoot enough tournaments in the bare bow side. Yeah. I think that's something that we see. That's, um, that's, it's a lot of, you know, you see that because the bare bow division will have heck maybe a few hundred people at some national tournament. Yeah. you like five at others. And it's like, where did everybody go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a true story. I, it's well, I'm in all fairness though, Jack, we're still a young, relatively young division. Yeah. Um, and to pull the numbers that we do is impressive. Standalone. It's impressive to yeah. see the numbers that are coming out. And then you look at the bigger tournaments, you look at NFAA indoor, you look at Vegas indoor, you look at Lancaster archery classic. Like we pull some big numbers to those, those bigger oh. events. And it's only a matter of time, like for the USATs, for example, you saw Barebell for the first time at USAT this year. Numbers were 10% roughly of most, at most of those events, Barebell yeah. um, compromised like 10, 10% of, of total entrance. So that's not amazing, but it's also the first year. And I've said it before, you know, those numbers are going to continue to climb. I think you're going to see more and more. I, and the reason I'm asking some sort of like very direct and training oriented mental game, we'll probably get into that a little bit, but I'm asking those questions because I think you're going to see a transformation of barebell people taking the approach that you as yeah. one of our national athletes, they're taking more of a serious approach to how do I get better? What is, what are, what are some of these other people doing? It doesn't matter whether you shoot Olympic 
and I shoot barebow. That doesn't matter. It's the approach to the training and the, and the mindset that goes with it. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the podcast It's because people, I don't think people understand the commitment that it takes to shoot at such a high level. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, but in regards to that, so like mental game wise, and we, we talked about having some like some mental management conversation, you know, what are some of the things that maybe really has helped you throughout your relatively new career? Um, you know, and what, you know, what are the things you're constantly working on to improve your mental game within the international competition? Yeah. Um, something that I like to do is learn something from each event and whatever it is, good or bad. Like if that event went good or bad, even like why, did that event go the way it did? Yeah. Whether it be a round or second or I almost won it. Like it's coming back and say, where where did I succeed? Where did I fail? And then what can I do to get that better at every event? So as I keep adding to this list of stuff that I've done, is it's kind of keeps the momentum going for the next one. Like the next one will be better. And then was the next one better? Yes, no. If not, why? Okay, the next one will be better. And just roll through the events because i have so many events under my belt now right yeah and, and there's probably I, I know i did a podcast with Paige pierce um a few weeks ago um for another endeavor that i'm working on and she said like you know and i imagine this is probably similar to you in some ways it's really hard training sometimes in between events because you literally go from like event to event to yeah. event you know, and meanwhile, we're having this conversation talking about like barebow people not shooting enough tournaments. They need to get out and shoot more tournaments if, if you want to get better. And, you know, so there's there's definitely some something to be said for the training in the off season because you might not get that opportunity to work on it during the tournament season as much as you would like. So, you know, the mental commitment to those changes or the mental commitment to learning from that previous event. What do I want to prove on for the next one? That's where, I guess, do you do like visualization? Are you doing, you know, what, like what kind of things are you doing when you can't shoot or where, where does your brain go? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Something that I, it depends on how tight of a turnaround it is. Sometimes we fly straight to the event and like a very typical one that we do is um, Neems, then Lancaster straight away. Right. Like, you go there um so in that little bit maybe take a day or two of not thinking about archery at all because a big tournament is way more um like Stressful. hard Stressful. like you might say like oh it was only 72 arrows for score and two practice ends so what i only shot like 90 arrows but it's like yeah but those 90 arrows feel a lot harder yeah i bet so, yeah, so it's compared almost like, to even shooting like a local tournament or I don't know how many local tournaments you actually shoot nowadays, but, um, you know, or, or a local 50 meter in San Diego or California, or maybe even a USAT in some ways, it's probably USAT's more of a training environment than it is anything else for you guys. You know what I mean? It is. It has gotten to that point where like the stressfulness of the tournament at those levels is almost non-existent now like i don't even do um local tournaments anymore really because there's no time yeah they're you i believe it or right before or right after an event and it's like i'm not gonna stress myself to go to a local tournament back to back to a world cup like uh, there's no but you know if i do it's all fun at those things like something that i did at um nfa indoor was i shot comp yeah, I know. I know. I was like, what in the world is he doing? <laughs> yeah. Heck, I, what? I only dropped one and I was tied for 17th in the pros. So I know. It's like, I know. So it's all just fun for me at that point. Like, to some people, that tournament would be the huge tournament of the year for them. Right. But for me, it's like, yeah, I'll go and shoot compound just for fun, something different. Interesting. So, yeah. No, it's, that's, I think it's good. Uh, do you think, do you feel like Olympic recurve? kind of even with compounded the transformation for you to shoot compound for that one tournament still being in the top 20 do you think that like 
all of the stuff that you've learned with Olympic recurve really makes shooting compound a lot easier. Absolutely. Like it, <laughs> it's a matter of, you know, it just still took a lot of efforts, a lot of skill sure, to, yeah. And it, it took me a good amount of time actually to kind of be like, okay, I need to shoot it like this instead of like this. And yeah, you know, tuning is a very big thing in compound. So it's like getting all that, um, dialed in but then it's still the same fundamentals at the end of the day brace the bow let go consistently are the two things i kind of like in all three bare bow olympic and compound it's you know you you brace the bow you anchor consistently and then it's whether you let go when it clicks you let go when you're aiming in the right spot for bare bow and it just right. flips or you're aiming in the right spot and you press the trigger like yeah. it's as long as it breaks the same direction, it's clean. It'll be a good shot. Yeah, Barabo people have a tendency to really complicate things. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I think what you just said is super crucial for people. That if there's anything anybody takes from this podcast, you know, brace the bow, let go consistently. That's literally it. I mean, it's if you want to really put it in its most basic terms for all of archery, but Barabo especially, brace the bow let go consistently find the way to make that happen you know sure in olympic you you know the clicker does have a huge role in the consistency but it's not to say I mean, we see people we just saw i don't know if you how much you pay attention to barebo scores and whatnot but uh oliver hicks uh they just posted he bested demers world record by one point and shot a 673 as at 15 years old that just yeah. came out today so like that's that's a smoking 72 arrow 50 meter round um especially for a kid so yeah you know but at the same time and i i do say this frequently about some of the younger generation you don't have kids you don't have necessarily jobs in some cases you yeah. don't have bills you don't have all those other responsibilities to weigh you down and and i think um i know dick tone always said like straighten up your affairs have all of your things in order oh uh, you know and and that's one of those things where like these younger kids who have the time and dedication to train they deserve every accolade that they get but they don't have all those other things weighing on them um as you have gone through i'm curious as you have gone through this sport now you're getting older, you have to start, you're going to school full-time, I assume. Is it full-time, part-time? Part-time, whenever I want to. So I'm taking yeah. two classes. So responsibilities, like, are you seeing like more and more stuff is starting to take over? Uh, and, and, and are you, is there a juggling match happening or not quite yet? You haven't gotten to that point. Unfortunately, the thing with, our tree as a whole right now is there's not really any way to rely on it yeah like, no. at all there's even at the highest level it's it's not enough to you know have a family have a house all that stuff so it's how do you supplement that whether it's being an ra where yeah you don't make much but you don't spend much if you don't want to like it's you live and eat for free stuff like that um so that's a huge benefit to that that side of the world in the way of what it takes to be an olympian it's more how it's even possible for a lot of people right um but you know it's it's all about like i'm starting to do some coaching right now on the side oh, cool. and just Good. yeah just a little bit of extra um income and just help for other people and kind of grow the sport in its own way and so it's little things like that that don't really take away much time because I'm doing it on my free time anyways. Right. Um, so, you know, of course, if I went all in, you know, I could probably make, you know, a good living, build my own training studio and have a whole club and all that, but then there's no time for anything else. No, there's not. So then it's like, so it's, it's a balancing point of, oh, yeah. you know, just a couple of kids on the side for coaching every, whenever they want you know, a couple classes every some few semesters, like whenever, like just do it to still have a base and stuff like that. Yeah, that's good. I, I think um, I think you're going down the right road, but you're 100% right. Like once you start coaching, 
um, and helping others, then you feel like an obligation to continue to do that for sure. It 100% weighs on your ability to train properly. Like if I, if, 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 if as a coach, like if you could just focus on coaching, that's great. If you are a competitor at heart and you're trying to coach at the same time, it 100% has an effect. I don't care what anybody says. And for those who are able to coach and still shoot at a decently high level, um, you know, shout out to those people. There's a few people in the bareball world that are doing it right now. Um, you know, there's, there's, and there's, there's others, there's other guys that are shooting Olympic recurve. There's, there's the same names that you see in the top 20 every year. And I know some of those guys are coaching and running clubs and running tournaments and like that stuff all definitely plays a role um, for sure. But um, no, that's, that, that's good conversation. And I'm glad that, that, you know, you kind of enlightened people to that point. Um, and I think it also paints a picture for people to, to what to expect. Again, that's not an Olympic or a barebow thing. That's an archery thing. If, if your pursuit, if your place in the sport is as a coach, understand that it's going to have an effect and, and vice versa. Um, and I think another uh, important thing or discussion, which we don't really have to get into, but like for you to compete and continue to, it costs a lot of money to compete and on the international level. And in the U S it just doesn't support. It's not a, it's not a, I'm not talking down on, on the way things are set up, but like you're going to Korea to shoot very soon. They definitely have a different program uh, to support their athletes. Um, do you think that, that the U.S. will ever get to that point? Um, I think a lot has to happen. Um, yeah. I don't think the unwillingness to make it happen. I think it just needs to be um, – steps need to be done in the right direction. Um, we need to make this first a sport like a real sport that people think of like, yes, it's technically an Olympic sport. Sure. But when you think of a sport, you think of something either you can do like in high school, you know, stuff like that, or, you, you know, colleges that you watch on ESPN and they have huge stadiums full of people for football and soccer or baseball, stuff like that. Yeah. Or national level with national teams that all come together and compete in tournaments like this you know, everything that leads up to the Super Bowl, everything that leads up to, I see you saying. know, the, like all those levels of tournaments that they have in other stuff, yeah. like whether it be the world series or the Super Bowl or whatever, every sport has their own version nationally sure. and regionally, then you have your team you cheer for. And, you know, by you paying tickets to go see that team or whatever, or buying the subscription to the pay-per-view, whatever, like yeah. that money system that then they can pay deeper or more at the top or whatever it may be. And I think if we were able to support a higher number at the top, yeah, you know, all really like if you could have the top eight people, at least in every division, guy and girl, sure. Sure about and girls, like it's, if you could have that many people that can just do archery and make an actual living, yeah that even if they don't win anything it, they have enough money to have maybe more basic house car they wouldn't have to supplement it with a job or a full-time commitment somewhere else and then like i think we'd then from there see a level of competition amongst everybody that was unseen right now yep and then that level of competition can be monetized with ads and tvs subscriptions or espn or whatever like yeah. that type of stuff can then be even more and then it goes from there yeah no that's a that's a great way to look at you i can tell that you've you guys have had that conversation or you've had that conversation with people before because you know korea is definitely known as a powerhouse within the olympic Re archery world in general let's just put it that way and um they're definitely um they definitely have a different approach but that is what you said archery to them is without a doubt a sport it's a a lifelong commitment yeah. in america it's not treated that way it's treated as a pastime or a hobby 
and, and um, level like the like to win a world cup which second to the olympics world championships and then a world cup it's maybe after your contingencies and all that like ten thousand dollars yeah which is great don't get me wrong it's a great amount of money for for the archery world but if you think about how much a professional golfer wins a pga event yeah like it's oh, a different because yeah. of all the other underlying things that they have supporting it you know you have several million people watching the golf tournament yeah so it's yeah. different well and you have just about every major public school will will go with has a golf team uh every college has a golf team not every you know every i shouldn't say every i don't want to there's sure there surely there's some that don't but the vast majority absolutely do i played on the golf team ironically when i was in high school so you know it's you're but you're right like but and you talk about the supporting part there's a financial commitment there that these people are participating in it nationwide. So, and let's, let's, let's talk about the major players that are financial. We're way off of like archery, you know, discussions, shooting and all that stuff, which is where we're good, but that's fine. But like Callaway, Ping, uh, Nike, Nike, um, you know, let's foot joy. You go through all these companies that are being, supplemented financially by all of these people across the nation who are competing in golf at the middle school, high school level. So, you know, where, where that funding is just going into golf. So then ultimately that's being seen at the top somewhere along the lines, because those companies can afford to throw that money into the ring and say, we're going to, we're going to front this to happen because we're, we're making money on the, on the, on the, in the beginning of this, this cycle you know what i mean so and archery doesn't have that yeah the brands themselves can even like for six figure salaries for their guys and it's like it's it's different level you know it'd be the same as if Hoyt up you know 10 guys 100 grand each yeah and it's like the sport of archery as a whole isn't big enough yet so it's all a big circle that just they feed into each other Oh yeah. I mean, imagine, imagine what your life would be like, even if Hoyt, even, and, and we're, we're using Hoyt because we both shoot for Hoyt, but it's not fair to assume that Hoyt has to do this, but we're saying, you know, what if you take a sponsor that can, can throw out dude, 50 grand, like imagine what that does for you for the year to be able to focus on just training and what kind of, what kind of, you know, stress that reduces from from a shooter uh yeah and uh, the compound world probably has is more is set up for that a little bit more um you know but also like you have asa you have the they have all the same competitions that we do there's it's there's more compound shooters in in the world uh i would say openly shooting competitions than you see in especially the Olympic recurve, um, but in yeah. Barbo specifically too, you have a lot of traditional archers out there, but it's not the same thing. It's, it's, there's definitely a, there's a gap um, for sure. Um, but you know, and that's just, and it, but it grows from the roots up because then the kids that do, you know, this golf, then they want to become those pros, you know, where right now you maybe have a kid in archery that doesn't, like want to really like oh i don't want to be an olympian like i just want to go have fun like yeah. but how can I do this later in life and they say well i can't okay done yeah. and then they get a they get a real person job and they just like work and it's like and that fell off and but that could have been the next best archer in the world yeah well, you know you just described like my childhood in some ways like archery was my life until about 13 years old uh, you know, Joad national competitions, um, you know, all that stuff. And then, you know, high school happened and, and high school, you know, what happened if high school sports happened, archery wasn't one of them. If archery was one of them, there's no doubt that I would have shot archery instead of playing golf, basketball, and track. I would have, I would have shot archery or a combination of, of all of them. It's not a thing. 
Um, I wish it was, I, you know, there's, there might be a, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I'm hoping somewhere down the road, we are able to come up with one, but yeah, I, you're, 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 you're hundred percent right. Well, so, you, what's that? It needs to come from everybody who's ever watching this. Like if you can make a local club or make a local high school team, if you're in high school or, you know, even younger, maybe like that roots everywhere will help grow the whole sport yeah and that, that's what we need you guys heard it jack says go grow the sport so if you're listening to this and eventually you will be or online or the recorded version jack says go grow the sport so don't be sitting back on the couch being a bump in a log go go do a thing um <laughs> No, no, it's yeah, man. That's good. It's it's nice to hear somebody uh, that's sh- that shooting at your level, like you're still concerned about that. I think sometimes you guys are a little bit removed, and people don't get to hear that from you enough. Um, you know, for your you're the pros. Um, everybody's like, oh, you know, he's he's on our Olympic team, and and they 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 stand and watch you shoot, but don't realize like you saw that same passion as anybody else and let's face it that's how you got into the sport you know it was just you tried archery one day and look where you're at you know so that's that's good um that's that's really that's a surprise conversation that wasn't planned by any means but it it was definitely a good one and people need to hear it um so i do know you've been playing uh with the new riser and limbs how's that working out for you so tell us what you're shooting what's your setup yeah, so right now I'm shooting the the Formula XD uh, with the axial limbs. I made the switch over from, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I was actually testing out the geometry of the XD for a while. So I've been um, kind of playing out. So I have a very good understanding of how the new bow was going to shoot and how it has been shooting forward. Um, been very, had a nice hand in the prototype development of it. So it's it's really like good for what i was kind of asking for out of this setup and what it was kind of going to be yeah um, so the new uh, lower grip position definitely more stable i don't know how Agreed. other other types of shooters you know i i can only speak for what i can feel but you know hopefully it's more stable and much bigger sight window yeah i hope a lot of people feel that um the adjustable weights are really nice because you can go from top weight to bottom weight really easy and that not only just changes like the weight balance, but it directly um, sit, changes where it sits in relation to your hand yeah. by a few percent up above, like, and have your grip below the pivot point yeah. or then have, like it's, they were actually calibrated this time instead of just like, it's a weight, like you put weight on your bow. Like this was actually like, no, if you put it here, It'll be exactly even to your hand. If you put it here, it'll be above. If you hear it, it'll be below. So, Interesting. Yeah, there was there was intention behind it, and hopefully, um, as more people start to shoot it, they can play with you know how they and have a bow that fits them more easily. You know, if you want your bow to jump, you know the top weights are there to design sure. that. And the same with the dampeners in there, it dampens out. Um, some more of that riser uh flex yep and you can just tune that jump out of your hand a lot better the limbs on the other hand are a very different limb to the velos um ultimately the biggest driving factor to that was the most durable yet high performing limb that was going out there i think a lot of people have all seen the you know what happened with the velos and while the velos was still the very great limb that it was and highest scoring limb to date with Brady and I shot that limb great some people or for whatever reason had it just start breaking yeah so that set aside okay how do we keep the same performance because ultimately you got to have a limb that performs but if a limb is breaking that's not performing very good like once it's broken so like the maple was very durable and yet still kept all those same uh, features to it and we played with the way it stacks a little bit. They stack a lot differently than a Phalos. Um, some might like it. Some might, you know, have to get used to it. I'm 
getting used to it because I've so tuned to the Velos. But as I'm starting to get through it, like it's something that I'm liking. I did have to actually down in poundage. I was shooting um, 42 pound Veloses. Now I'm shooting 40 pound Axios. Okay. That's just the way they stacked for me and the tune, like the 40 pounds, just that was what I had to do to tune. So, you know, maybe as more people start playing with that too, it's, it's still a new, um, it's still new, you know, we haven't even had time to really throw it in a tournament. How does it shoot under pressure? What do we have to do to it? So it's, it's very exciting, you know, yeah. and I'm learning about it and I hope a lot of people can enjoy it too. Cause yeah. so far I'm loving it. Yeah, that's that. I, it was a definitely an adjustment. I haven't shot a seventy-inch bow in almost three years. So when Doug sent me the XD, um, I I don't own any Formula limbs. I was actually he he didn't think he had limbs that I could use, but then he came up with a set of uh, thirty-six. I think they're thirty-six pound axias. Um, I'm like around 41 on the fingers. I think I didn't, I didn't check. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going based off of like two pounds per inch at 31 inch draw. So, um, but whatever that, whatever that that's going to come out to be. Um, but the riser, like it definitely has a, there's a calmness to that riser. The, the dampeners absolutely positively work. I never shot the weights, um, never played with weights before in the pockets. Uh, to be completely honest, I put the two weights. I'm gonna play around with top and bottom and even and everything. And I know that the weights actually have an effect on. Uh, I was watching. I, I think it actually. I think it was Hoyt's video on YouTube, and Doug was talking about the weight distribution and how that changes the riser. I guess basically, the the way the riser sits, and when you add those weights, it puts it. It's comparable to like the XI um at the way the way that the the weight distribution changes it so that it actually has like the same uh i don't know what the the term is if it's like a the left like the way it, it 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 levels in your hand i'm not sure what the you might have a better idea but that the weight system allows that for that riser to be more um adaptable to any shooter whether you're putting the, the the weights on the top, whether you're putting them in the bottom, whether you have one in each, and then you know, obviously you can play around with all the other stuff, um, other weights, other bear, other other, you know, you can throw Yoast weights on there. You can throw. I know you sent me a video. We were talking about dampeners and stuff, and you know, you can put the dampeners on the limbs. You can put dampeners um, on the bow itself. Like there's there's a lot of options. You were talking. So, so before this, Jack's trying to talk me into putting a V-bar attachment on my bow and dampeners and weights off of it. So if you see something funny happening with my riser and I actually try that, it's Jack's fault. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Make a super mini stabilizer setup. Yeah, stupid, yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, I, I don't see how we wouldn't be allowed to do it. Um, I don't think, I don't see how it, could, it would be illegal at all do just about anything now except for have actual stabilizers um though i will say this though uh shooting them side by side going from a 73 inch you know 27 inch riser and extra long limbs to a 25 inch riser with long limbs it is incredible how much calmer that riser and that setup is it is very close to the 27 um I'm happy with it right now. Like uh, that's the bow I'm shooting. I don't really have any desire to shoot the 27. I really do like the way that shoots. I wish that there was extra long limbs, but I don't think they can do that in the formula. <laughs> that's what the extra long I left was a yeah. formula limb. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Just, I, I wish that, but I don't have that length in the riser like I'm used yeah. to. And I really yeah. do like it when I'm, I mean, I'm 31, 31 and a half inch, roughly drawing. So, you know, I can get away with that longer stuff. I like the, and what part of it is Jack is the, um, the string angle when you're crawling three under on that bottom finger really does plays a big role. Um, that longer recurve, it just, it's so much more comfortable than a shorter one when you have that long drawing, but 
you know, it's it, again, it's six and one half dozen. Yeah, everybody's got their own perks that, or they, their their own preferences and how they like the way it feels. But the dampening system, the new technology, the way it's going, I'm very happy. I am very happy with that riser. Um, and and just the setup in general, I think there's um, there's good things to come there. Um, so you you didn't get a chance. You just said you didn't get a chance to shoot a tournament with that. Yeah, you were testing it. Did you get to compete with it or no? No, I have not shot any sort of um, dedicated tournament. I've been shooting the the um, the lower geometry yeah. in the right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That was. So, so I knew. Had- you had a separate riser that, uh, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so that's what's been, you know, but that's, and a lot of people notice, like, uh, me, Casey, Brady, we were all shooting, like, different types of limbs, because we just got to make sure that what comes out is really good, and we all kind of work together on this final product that that's cool. we all that's awesome. It's cool that Hoyt, I mean, I know Hoyt's notoriously done that, but they don't, they, they, you know, they're reaching out to their athletes. They're reaching out to their shooters or like, Hey, I need you. I need your feedback on this. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's a good thing for the future. That's all I'm going to say. So you have to appreciate that they are taking all of the, your information and Brady and Casey and their, taking that feedback and putting it into a physical product for yeah. people to hopefully enjoy and, and get better at the sport with. Yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I think that came out with such a versatile setup is because you listen to one person and their advice on, Hey, I think a bow should have this in it. You'll get that bow and that'll shoot maybe good for that person if they were even right in what they were thinking. But if you listen to people like, yeah. then you get like okay well everybody's kind of wanting this and then okay here you go and then y'all it worked because everybody ended up being right you, those crazy ideas kind of get whittled down into okay well why why do they want that and then you know oh well that can be solved with you know a movable weight pocket or lower geometry like that jump out of the hand where then some people say i don't want any jump like yeah how do you do that for both people out of the same boat? Yeah. Well, they did it. And they, yeah. <laughs> Doug Denton, everyone. Doug Denton did it. Yeah. That's all I could say. The guy's, a, the guy's, uh, he's, he's a bit of a, an archery genius. He's any, you know, and he's just a gen, he's a nice guy. Doug's such a good dude. Um, I think it's, it's awesome. Uh, I'm glad that you got to, is this the first riser that you really got to put your input into? good good for you man how old are you 22 yeah you suck <laughs> damn kids no dude that's that's <laughs> awesome i'm happy for you you're a good guy you're you're a great ambassador for the sport um i'm i hope that your career is very long and if there's anything that i can ever do uh i'm small fish in a big pond but um you know i would always i would always lend a hand because i just i want nothing to see like you so casey is close to me i've watched casey grow up i'm i'm only an hour from lancaster so um you know and and you know she's she's got a hell of a support cast as, as you do too but you know i love seeing these people um just become successful and have these opportunities and you know i, I love your ideas about growing the sport and that that view of that total view, that big picture view of like, what do we have to do to make things better? Like, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I love that such a young person, um, you don't come across as a 22 year old when you talk about archery. And I think that's, that's, that's good. Uh, that's very good. And it's a testament probably to why you've been so successful, but to, to see those, though, to realize and to, to see your thoughts put, put out there for people and to realize you think about the sport in such a deeper way, uh, the equipment, growing the sport, being involved, training, you know, all of those things. Um, I think it sheds a light on, on what talent we do have in this country. And I want nothing more than to see you guys be successful. So uh, appreciate, I appreciate you coming on the podcast, man. Um, again, if it were, 
just so everyone knows, where can we follow you? Uh, I know you have an Instagram, stuff like that. Can you give us some some details? Yeah, Jack T. William 2000 on Instagram. That's kind of where I'm posting more, most of my stuff. And same with uh, Jack Williams Archery on Facebook. Okay. So like two pages because they're owned by the same company are more or less the same. So whatever platform you're on, if, like that's where you'll get it. And yeah. I'm going to be posting a lot more about the XD and all those little tips and tricks as I start to figure out more stuff and hey, this bow needs this to shoot good. And I'll be keeping everybody updated on the little things. Good. And I'm sure that Doug appreciates that as well. Um, perfect. Well, everyone go follow Jack Williams, uh, follow his career. Good luck as you go to Santiago uh, with our bare bow peeps. Um, uh, that are going as well. I know um, we have six going from from the U.S., so it's going to be a full house. First time we're going to see Barbo at that uh, at that event, so it's, it's exciting stuff for sure. Um, appreciate all you do, and that's it, man. Peace out. Thank you. All right, all right, dude. See you later. Barrel Project out. Go follow Jack Williams. See ya. Maybe up oh, there it goes. <laughs>